0: Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Boater's List. Do you own a company that needs to reach boaters, anglers, and marine enthusiasts? Sign up for free today to grow your business on boaterslist.com. Boater's List is your new, reliable, and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. boaterslist.com will always strive to make it better on the water. And also brought to you by Fatanis Defense, Masters of Darkness. Fatanis Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Fatana 16 millimeter filmless 4g image intensifier tubes and their hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes these ultra light ultra compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image best resolution smallest most transparent halo and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M, 16 millimeter monocular, the PD Pro B, 16 millimeter binocular, and the PD Pro Q, panoramic night vision system, Patanis Defense, Masters of Darkness. I'm your host, Joe Baia, here today with my co-host, Butch Theory. Butch, you know, today's show is all about UTVs. People ask us constantly, what kind of UTV should I get? They ride around in mine, you know, we're looking at a piece of land, they end up buying it and all of a sudden they got to have one too, or they come hunting, you know, with you and they're like, man, this is fun. Or, you know, this is great. This is useful. You can do so much in these things. I mean, we were talking about it the last time you were and I were up at my place. It's like, it's just, it's like, it's a must have. It is a must have. Once you've had it and you've, if you own land and you're managing land, even if you don't own land, you're just hunting them. Once you've had one of these things and you've seen the utility of them, you don't want to do without it anymore.
1: I think that was right after we pulled out my F-150 that a UTV wouldn't have gotten stuck in. Right. So, yes, I do remember that conversation. Yes, they're very, very, very beneficial.
0: Yeah. So, you know, on today's show, we really wanted to create a resource for uh, those questions. You know, when people ask us that, we want to be able to say, hey, go listen to this podcast. We kind of went through it all. Went through the decision tree of where you want to be based on what you're trying to do. Y'all give it a listen with John Jackson, a beard equipment company. All right, but before we get there, let's go check in on this series on building a cabin. Just going to be talking about how to get electricity with your standard electric utilities. Our guest today is Marcus Ramsey. He's the power delivery distribution engineer for the Southern Company. You know, Bush. For selfish reasons, I've uh, I've been really enjoying this series on building a the cabin. Uh, there's a lot to think about here. Last time we were talking all about how to get electricity and uh it's pretty interesting and you know in thinking about site selection too oftentimes the best site isn't the easiest to get to and because it's probably not, not. the to best site's to, probably
1: not going to be easiest to get to i wouldn't yeah
0: think. uh if it was somebody may have already built there you know what i mean that's right um, but that doesn't all it's not always the case sometimes there's really good building sites that are not hard to get to and that's what we're going to do a little segment on today last time we were talking about how to get electricity we really focused more on the alternative options and when it when it made sense to start thinking about developing a power bank and feeding that power bank whether it be with you know solar or generator power whatever it may be today we're just going to be talking about how to get electricity with your standard electric utilities our guest today is marcus ramsey he's the power delivery distribution engineer for the Southern Company. Marcus, welcome to Huntin Land, man. Tell us a little bit about what you do at the Southern Company.
2: Hey, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, so, as you know, I'm a power delivery distribution engineer. My day-to-day duties are based on customers. So, from residential to commercial to industrial, I make site visits to the customer, figure out the size of the facility that they're gonna be building, figure out what all the equipment that they're gonna have inside, AC unit size, and then take all of that and pile it in reference to where our last poll or underground facilities are. Um, I take all the information back to the office. Then I have to do a design on it. I have to do an estimate if there's going to be any costs from the customer that they're going to have to pay to the company. I handle that part of it, provide an invoice to the customer, and then also take care of the right-of-way part of it, which basically us getting permission from the customer to set any facilities on their property.
0: So Marcus, if I needed to establish power at a campsite, a cabin, somewhere more rural, a guy like you might be a guy that I get into contact with to figure out what this is going to take to happen. So my first question would be, who is my electrical provider in this area? How do I figure that out? When I first bought my piece of land, man, I couldn't figure that. It was hard to figure out. So I ended up seeing a gate uh, with a lock on it and has Southern Company lock on it. I said, well, that's probably a good place to start. But how could somebody figure that out if they didn't have any clues?
2: So in a lot of areas, we are predominantly the larger utility company. So I guess the first step would be to call our customer service department and say, hey, I want to talk to an engineer about getting service to my property. And you could just, it could just be that simple. The engineer will come out we have maps that we can look at even on the site that all the way down to a GPS coordinate to where we're standing when we meet with you and we can pinpoint where we are in reference to our facilities. So that map, what else GPS coordinates as we're on site will tell us whether we're within our territory, whether we'll serve you, or it may be right like here at Tuscaloosa, it could be a different utility that's nearby. And it can be as close as literally right across the road. We're gonna be literally right across the road from you. And then it could be a completely different utility company that you have to work with. So we get that mix up some from time to time, even with our territories within the company. It may be at the, say, at the fade line, and it may be a determination between Tuscaloosa handling or a different office handling. So sometimes we just have to talk among ourselves to kind of figure out who's going to be the engineer that handles the project.
1: Sure. So it sounds like Southern Company is a great place to start since you guys are a large service provider. So we, you know, we figured out now what utility company we need to talk to. What has to be done to establish this electrical service at a more rural site? What thing needs what things need to be in place and what needs to be discussed. So
2: the first thing we like to see. Um, on our side, we'd like for the customer, when you call in the 100 number to the customer service department, we'd like for you to go ahead and set up your account. So it's basically you applying for a temporary or permanent power. So what that does is that sends the account to the engineer. We have a place to collect all of our notes or whatever we talk about on site, you know, whether you say it's going to be three or four months before you get started well, you tell us you want us to give you an estimate for going over there to underground, whatever, we can keep it in that file folder. And that gives us something to kind of keep track of everything from the timeline that we started dealing with you all the way till we close the project out. So I think that, that setting up that initial account is the first step. That way we have your contact information. We have your address once you have your 911 address. And we pretty much have everything we need for the basics of starting that project.
0: Do you have to have a site existing? Like, do I have to have something ready to hook up, a pole, a temporary pole, something for you guys to go ahead and run utilities into, a, say, a cabin site, for example? Or can you run them in and, and then we come back and, and establish a need for more power later? Do we have to have it all figured out or could we just kind of have like a temporary pole put in if we wanted to have power to be able to use, you know, power tools while we were building the cabin, something like that?
2: So you can work towards go ahead, getting a temporary power on the front front end. So typically what we require are two or three signs of permanency for any site. So let's say you called in, you got your account set up with your 911 address. I come out and meet with you. Typically, what I'm going to tell you on site is I need to see two or three signs of permanency, which will be water on site, house on site or septic on site. A lot of times house on site, we say those are the footings of the whatever the facility is going to be being there. And water on site means a water spigot actually at that site. Um, we, we usually require that because we don't want to build a five pole tap in the woods and then nothing is ever done on the customer's part. Nobody ever use, you know, we never make our money make it, make any revenue off of it. So th- that's the best way to do it because then we can give you that five to one revenue that we kind of talked about. We can give you revenue for whatever you're gonna build. Say as versus if you were to call and say, hey, I just want temp power, I'm gonna use it to build. Well, if you're going to build and you have nothing there at all, when we get out there, then we may have to bill you for whatever it costs for us to build those facilities because we don't have anything to give you revenue for at that time. Yeah, And then for the matter of adding on, let's say if you want to start with your tiny cabin and then you want to kind of work around, if you don't have like a, a complete plaque, of what you want to do, we can't just start with that that tiny that, that cabin and kind of build on wherever the next direction is you want to move in. And kind of just up to the customer on it.
0: Yeah, you alluded to it a little bit there. You're talking about that five-to-one rule we were talking about a little bit before the show of you right. know, is there a rule of thumb for setting up electrical service? So tell me about the five-to-one rule.
2: So the five-to-one rule basically is the company will give you – Five times one year revenue. So for simplicity, say if you're going to bring in $1,000 per year, we take that number multiplied by five. So that's $5,000 the company would spend to help get those facilities to your site where you're going to need service. then once that $5,000 bucket is gone, it goes what we call out of ratio. When it hits out of ratio, whatever the remaining balance is comes back to the customer as an invoice. And then you pay that, whatever that is, $3,000, $200, whatever it is, you pay that back to the company for us to... Build a facilities for yeah, you. Yeah.
0: So if we're trying to establish maybe that annual revenue, that's going to be part of that discussion that's had beginning. What are you trying to do here? Hey, I'm going to build a cabin. We're going to be here every weekend. We're How going to big have is it going to be? I'm sure walk in that's cooler. That's, that's going right, to be right. on. We're going to be running air conditioning all the time. I mean, climate controlled. You're going to be able to extrapolate how many appliances and how much power is going to be needed to accommodate what is being considered to be done and then build up from there. When we think about how much it actually costs to bring in those utilities, what's the rule of thumb? Let's talk about overhead utilities first. You know, every situation I'm sure is different. Bringing power across a a pasture versus bringing power through some timber is probably going to be a different cost. But what right. could somebody expect if they are going to run overhead utilities? Is it by distance? Is it by pole? What do you think?
2: So for us, we typically will tell the customers by pole just to kind of get them an idea of what they can look at paying per pole. So like you said, we may tell them maybe three dollars or $4,000 per pole. We also tell them we that we li- try to limit our distance from pole to pole to 300 feet. So there's 300 feet before we set another pole. Um, and then another thing is, like you said, the timber. So if we running through a pasture where there are no trees at all. We don't have to worry about any tree trimming. That's great because that's another cost that the customer doesn't have to worry about. But it, say if we were running through timber where we're going to have to cut trees to be able to set pose. then that tree cost also goes into the overall cost of the child, which also eats away at that five to one ratio that they were given on the front end to help build our line to get to them. So that kind of puts their project in jeopardy there'd be more of a chance of going out of ratio and them having having a larger out-of-pocket cost than if we didn't have to cut any trees.
0: Yeah, so if we're looking at it and we say, okay, maximum distance between poles is maybe 100 yards, we know that if the the nearest utility uh, is, say, 200 yards from our campsite, if Mm -hmm. we're running in a straight line, then – We could probably get there with two poles, most likely. But if we've got turns or you got to really look at the site, right? Because if we're going to have to make turns to avoid having to cut a straight line through the woods, then we may pay more in poles, but we may pay less in tree work. I'm sure it's going to be case dependent. Now, if we go to using underground utilities, which in a lot of cases could be preferable, especially when you start thinking about trees that may or may not fall over and things like that. Is there a rule of thumb for underground utilities and what somebody can expect, or is there anything people need to be thinking about differently with underground or situations where it doesn't work?
2: So I think the first thing we like customers consider when they're thinking about doing underground is that underground is a per foot fixed cost. So no matter what the distance is on underground, it's going to be an out-of-pocket cost. Whereas on overhead, if you're going 300 feet from the line and you got enough revenue, To cover it, you may not pay anything at all as long as you keep everything overhead and there's no tree trimming. So underground is definitely going to be a cost out of pocket, regardless of whether it's 200 foot service or we're going 3,000 feet up someone's driveway. Um, One thing that we use underground and overhead, we use what we consider underground overhead differential where... If we feel like it's going to be best if we just go underground to avoid having to cut $20,000 worth of trees and then maintain them over a hundred year period, then we may go in and use that differential that we have and compare the cost of building an overhead line, then putting it underground facilities and allow the customer to pay whatever that differential costs for the underground facility. So sometimes we have to implement that. It just depends on the case. Like I said, each case is different.
0: Man, this has got my mind turning over because I'm in this process right now, but it sounds like what I need to do is get in contact with my local engineer, have them come out, do a site visit, say, look, this is where we want to put the camp. This is what we're thinking about building. Here's what we're going to be running. Can you give me an estimate on what it would take to run it underground, what it would take to run it overhead, and he's going to be able to help me figure that out and help me make the right decision. If folks want to do that, Marcus, how do they get in touch with you guys so that they can get pointed to the right engineer for where they are.
2: So a lot of times what we have is just like you would call the same one eight hundred number, get in touch with our customer service department. And what you would do is say if you it's a brand new site, you don't have a 911 address, anything, so let the customer service rep know, hey, look, you know, I'm in Tuscaloosa County or wherever you may be. Um, I just bought a property, I'm looking at trying to get power to it. Could you put me in contact with the engineer? You know, I want to acquire about how what would it take to get power to my property? And that way, they'll send what we call a woofam. They'll send a note to the engineer with your contact information, your phone number, and any other notes that you want to get to them. We'll make make time to call you, set up an on-site meeting with you, have your meters there. That way, we can get a GPS location, a reference to where we are from our last, you know, tra- pole or underground facilities. And then we can take all the notes that we get from the site, we ask you how big the facility is, what are you going to have in it, AC unit size, are you going to do a 200 amp or 400 amp service, are you going to build a shop, any of those things, you take all the information back to the office, we can put the estimate together. We can sit down and calculate how much revenue we think you're going to give us per year for that five to run ratio that we talked about. And then we can kind of come back and say, OK, look, this is what you're going to pay overhead if you go overhead, whether it's tree trimming or not. This is what you're looking at paying underground if you decide you want to go underground. So it's just like I said, you still call that same one eight hundred number. Let them know, hey, I want to talk to an engineer. I know I don't have my number address. I'm working on it, but I want to look at, you know, look my hand over so I can kind of know what I need to do moving forward. And then they'll send someone out to talk to you.
0: Marcus, great information, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing your knowledge on the subject. You got me excited to give my local engineer a call because I just I want to know, you know, what's it going to take to get it in there? It's exciting stuff, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, man, no problem. As, as ironic
2: as it is, I'm literally working with a guy. I met him as soon as I got to Tuscaloosa, and he's building – it's a tiny home is what he's calling it. But he's building up about 1,400 feet from my last power pole. Yeah. So I'm dealing with something just like this right now. Yep. He's wanting
0: to go underground.
2: So yeah. it's kind of my as ironic as that is. Now, now I'm on, on this podcast talking about it. So. <laughs> That's cool, man. Cool. I might Very stay applicable. in touch
0: with you. Yeah, I want to I yeah. hear how it goes. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, Thanks, man, Morgan. no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. bunch of good information right there.
1: I mean, he pretty much gave us a template for – figuring out exactly what we need to know, what we need to think about. I mean, like you, you really need to think about like how much it's going to cost you to run all your hair products, like your blow dryer, your straightener. Sure. Yeah. I mean, those are things you have to get, you know, in line before you get your engineer out. You have to know.
0: I got that little diffuser with the essential oils, you know, it
1: takes a lot
0: of power. A lot. Hey, you get enough of that stuff plugged in. All right.
1: I could really jack up your five to one ratio. <laughs> Uh, All right, folks, let's take a quick break and check out a few of this week's great sponsors.
0: Alabama Farmers Co-op. From backyard gardening to large-scale farming and everything in between, your local co-op has what you need to be successful. Since 1936, Alabama Farmers Cooperative has provided high-quality products and friendly service to community members and local farmers. With over 60 locations to serve you and 85 years of experience, you can count on the co-op. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.alafarm.com. And also, the Hunting Exchange. In this day and age, we all know it is a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms. And that's where the Hunting Exchange steps in. The Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. Whether you're looking to sell your bow, broadheads, technical apparel stands saddles or anything in between this secure platform allows you to buy and sell gear with confidence as a buyer each dollar you spend is insured by paypal and as a seller there are no hidden charges like other platforms and listing items is also free gone are the days of having listings removed from facebook and worrying about being banned and removed from groups for wanting to sell something as simple as your bow or knives So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. All right, joining us today is John Jackson of Beard Equipment Company. John, welcome to the show, man. Tell us a little bit about what you do over Beard Equipment.
3: Well, I've been here for about seven years. Um, I'm in sales. I started in the parts department, kind of worked my way up to learn the ropes of beard equipment and learn different things and different opportunities um, the company has to offer. Um, also being a part of the John Deere family really makes it a lot more important along with the Beard family as well. There's a, a great group of bosses and managers that we have here um, to give us the opportunity to sell the John Deere product and produce it.
0: Well, you know, John, you know, we work a lot with landowners, a lot of first-time landowners, especially here in the last couple of years. In fact, I saw closed on a 127 acres with a young family. They were moving from the city out to the country. It was their dream. And you know, as we were looking over the property, we were riding around on my UTV and, and after we closed the property, you know, they were asking me, Hey, you know, what, what do you think we should get? What kind of UTV do you think we should get? And I get that question a lot. We get that question a lot, uh, mm-hmm. from, from guys that like to hunt from guys that are wanting to do work. There's a lot of different reasons. So what's the first thing you think somebody should ask themselves if they're in the market or they think they need to be in the market for a UTV?
3: Well, it's basically, like you said, it's basically... What are you going to be doing with it? You know, what type of work you're going to be doing? Is it going to be for gaming, gonna be for hunting, gonna be for working? You know, it just all depends on land management, stuff like that. It really all depends on contracting work because the different kinds of gators for different aspects of different type of work that you may
0: be doing. I think one of the fundamental things I hear a lot is diesel versus gas. I mean, what why would somebody choose diesel over gas?
3: A lot of my guys that choose diesel are big farm owners. And they like to keep that one fuel. That's one of the yeah, most. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a great point. Um, the diesel is going to give you the power, though. Um, but the gas is going to give you a little bit more quicker start, a pull off. You know, going to be a lot faster. But a lot of people just like to go with that diesel because of the power and the durability of the diesel engine.
1: It definitely gotcha. makes sense. So we're talking about let's let's focus in on hunting and kind of uh, you know trail riding to and from your stand. Um, maybe some, you know, minor work, what construction and design differences do we need to compare? Like when our main reason being hunting, obviously passengers are a big question here as well. Recreational pursuits,
0: right? Yeah. If you have two people
1: versus four people, we're talking about a, yeah, an average track. We're not going to be too much farming. If we're just looking into hunting and trail riding, what are some things we need to ask ourselves?
3: Um, main thing is, does that machine have independent suspension? Um, that's going to be a lot with the ride as far as going through different trails, you know, are we going to be doing a lot of trail riding? Are we going to be doing a lot of open hunting? You know, I mean, you know, open ground, open land, because there are different gators for that aspect as well. As far as getting down through trails, um, they do have like the XUV 590 series, which is a little bit smaller, mid midsize machine. But it'll still give you that power. Um, of course, the XUV 835 series is a more bigger machine. Um, it does have more room. But like I said, it's more of an open, you know, type of area. But like I said, it's really what you're going to be doing with it. Um, But like I say, independent suspension on the John Deere does stand out a lot. It is belt driven. I get that question asked a lot. It is belt driven on that machine, but it does have ground clearance as well to to get you, you know, through those tougher spots. And, you know, I know a lot of guys that ride them through the mud, through the water, um, and they have success with them as well.
0: So if if somebody's really thinking more recreational, and when I think about recreational, like that's where I use my UTV the most very broken ground a lot of times i wouldn't even call it a road what i'm on you know mm-hmm. i mean we're dealing with constantly changing terrain definitely not flat ground you're going to want that independent suspension to soak up some of the that that topography and give you a smoother ride correct. and then you're saying make sure you pay attention to your ground clearance I mean, you know where when it comes to ground clearance i guess you're, you're just saying if you know you're going to be on on uneven terrain the more ground clearance the better correct so Going back to why you'd be using these things, and you mentioned you've got different sizes. I think that's one of the things that always confused me. All right, we got the 500 series and the 750 and the 1,000. What are you stepping up when you go from, like you mentioned, that that 500 series to that 800 series? What components are stepping up there, and where does that benefit you?
1: Yeah, and what are you losing, too, on the other end of that? What are the pros and cons?
0: Um,
3: the biggest thing is
0: going to
1: be size.
3: Um, with the A35, you're uh, you're gonna have a bench seat and a captain seat, so you better get three people inside. On the 590, it's like a two seater, strictly two seater, but it does come in a four seater. Um, so you will lose that. I guess if you're going out with the guys or you're going out with a crew, you're gonna have to stick with the 590 in order to get that four seater. Um, but I've had guys that configured these machines to fit a lot of people <laughs> um, and stands <laughs> in the back because with the XUV 835 series, you're going to get that that bed capacity, that hauling capacity. So um, one of my favorite customers, um, he purchased one and he put the Texas stand in the back of it in which it has the, the seats up top. So he's able to get five people in there. That's along with coolers and, you know, you know, your your guns and everything that you'll need to go hunting with or whatever you're going to be doing for that day. So it really depends on, like I said, again, the individual. But as far as the pros and cons, with the 835, yes, you're going to get the power. You're going to get the size. You're going to get the tow capacity, you know, especially if you hunting deer and stuff like that. You're going to get that larger bed as well on the 835 series versus the 590, which, like I said, is like more of a trail runner, just getting down to the camp and, you know, just getting down, you know, in, in different camping areas and stuff like that. Um, and I, I like the 590 because it is it's like a little speedster. Um, it, it, it got some little, got a little kick to it, but it is smaller compared to the 835.
0: So if you're if you're really thinking, you know, hey, I know the majority of the time, like myself for example, I've got my wife, I've got my two sons, maybe I've got I'm dealing, I'm taking clients, I'm taking people and we're looking at land. It's very rarely just two people in my UTV. I'm going to want to look at, you know, maybe stepping up into something that's going to give me that crew capacity or more. But if you're if you're somebody that says, "Hey, look, most of the time it's just me or it's just me and one other person heading out," You can take a, a two-seater type UTV with some aftermarket accessories, give yourself some added seating capacity to just get, you know, the occasional time you've got two more people to get to a deer stand or something like that and and get them out there. But the thing you're saying pay attention to is that, that payload capacity, because if you've got more people, that's just more weight in it. And is that where you start your kind of question to yourself if you're starting to think more on the work more on the commercial the farming the land management side I mean I think about when I spray my fields and I'm going around with a big sprayer in the back and you know I've got 100 gallons of water I got 800 pounds of, of water in the back of this thing I know I've got to have a pretty pretty solid payload capacity to get that done is that the first place to pay attention if you've yeah. got more commercial interests?
3: Yeah. So if you're going to be like spraying fields and stuff like that, you're going to want to go with unless you're going to do a small like, you know, we're just doing like you're spraying the trails to keep, you know, dirt down. But if you're actually going to be spraying the fields, you want to go with the A35 series because it's going to give you, like I said, that much larger bed and much more, you know, a lot more payload capacity on that bed. And then you better use those bigger tanks in the back as well with being able to control and drive and still spray your application.
1: Yeah, probably have better suspension. And like you were saying, those those bigger machines are better for wide open spaces. I know that's a there's something that's problematic around our place is the turning radius. I mean, you know, you get in the Austin Power situation where you're
0: trying to go back and forth a <laughs> hundred times. Right.
1: So that's a big factor as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I think, you know, talking about that, but I mean, one of the most frustrating moments for anybody being off road is getting stuck right oh yeah and, i've and never turn- done that i wouldn't know no right? never been I mean, stuck I mean, I mean either but like the, the <laughs> turning radius is huge you're on these logging roads you're on little small trails you can't just turn around like whip you, it around right yeah and right. so you get your back end off out in a ditch or out somewhere you shouldn't be you get high centered and you're stuck so i mean like for me one of the most important things i'm paying attention to when it comes to those off-road capabilities is going to be turning radius number one but then also things like differential lock and mm-hmm. you know the the wheelbase itself uh what do you think about that john
3: so on a differential lock um with the john deere is very accessible it's, it's just one button and you know and then that gives you your positive, positive traction for your diff lock and everything like that as far as width and stuff like man you know it's the machine itself is not that heavy um so as far as getting into those binds or worry about getting stuck i mean you do i mean of course you got to got a tank on the back of it, then you right. got some weight on the back of it. But the tow capacity on something like this, like two thousand pounds. So I mean that that machine will hold hold much weight as you want to give it. But as far as it getting stuck and stuff, I I hadn't had too many issues with the A35 getting stuck. Um, I know a lot of guys that go mud bogging and camping, and a lot of competitive machines get stuck and it's like, Hey, my deer didn't get stuck at all, you know? So, I mean, that's the good thing about it. Um, as far as weight it makes a difference, especially in those weather conditions.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think when you talk about any UTV, you're talking about a lighter vehicle period than if you're talking about an automobile, that, that to me is one of their biggest advantages in the off-road capacity. It's just, it's just overall a lighter vehicle. I, I think if if you're looking for something that's going to give you better off-road uh, capabilities, you do want to look for as short a wheelbase as you can get while still having the things that you need to do, the things you need to do. So if you're going to haul people, you got to make sure you got enough capacity to haul people. But I guess it just boils down to ask yourself, what are you doing with it? Most of the time, if most of the time you got two people and you're always off road, Probably could get away with a two-seater with an aftermarket seat to get that occasional mm-hmm. time you got four people. But if you always got four people, then I'm looking for maybe the shortest wheelbase crew cab, yes. UTV, you know, along those lines. And
3: that will be the 590, so.
0: Talking about getting stuck, one of the things that often happens when you get stuck is you end up breaking something trying to get out. <laughs> so, right. you know, talking about that. If durability is our main concern in a UTV, mm-hmm. what what are the things we need to be paying attention to model to model that's going to give us that durability that's going to stand the test of time? What what are some areas where you see UTVs having problems where maybe they they wouldn't if they had chose a different model?
3: Axles. I get a lot of guys they they have other competitive machines and some of their buddies have to keep axles <laughs> in them in the truck oh. with them when they go. I, I don't know what it is with that particular model or machine um, that they're they're purchasing, but I know with the John Deere, you have that dual independent axle along with the suspend with the extra shocks on it. Um, and they they're actually coming from the factory now with heavy-duty shocks um, and a dual A-frame arm. So it's going to give you that stronger axle and everything from wheelbase to wheelbase front and back.
0: You know, I think one of the things, too, is I I do enjoy turning my own wrenches when I can, but I'm pretty busy. I'm just in that point of my life. Got young kids, you know. Well, these
1: things are so complicated to work on now. And and yeah, yeah,
0: and I mean, I will turn an hour job into an an eight hour job, you know, but I do feel good when I do it myself. So (laughs) I, I think that everybody kind of falls into their own on that. I mean, some people really want to do it themselves and some people are like, heck no, I don't want to do it myself. So working along that spectrum, if you've got somebody that's like the do-it-yourselfer and you've got somebody that's the, no, I'm going to take it to the dealership and I'm going to get them to do it. What does somebody need to be able to, what should they pay attention to there being able to get that done? Well, first of all,
3: with the John Deere, they are 50% less maintenance than any other SUV or SUV or UTV or ATV. So as far as making it easy to work on. John Deere does have a simpler mind frame of getting to it so the customer or the consumer can work on it themselves if they're out in the field or something like that. But I do have a lot of customers that are just like, hey, I just want y'all to work on it. But it's very rare that we get a lot of XUVs coming in and they strictly be uh, maintenance, routine maintenance stuff, all changes, stuff like that. Um, but as far as you know, tires and axles, A-frames and stuff like that, it's really not that difficult. It's easily accessible on the John Deere. And they're all going to come with covers on them. So once you take those covers off, everything's real easy to get to. Um, but like I said, with the John Deere, there are 50% less maintenance than any other competitive machine.
0: John, you know, we've heard a lot about COVID delays and supply chain issues and things like that. And I mean, I just I just had to put my UTV in the shop and uh, something simple like you're talking about, uh, you know, it, it, it was a starter that had to be replaced. But to replace that starter, we had to take off a belt assembly. I mean, it was a big ordeal to get that off. And the biggest problem was we couldn't get the part, couldn't get the starter. So it took a long time for us to get that in. It put me out of commission for a while, uh, which is not ideal because I do use my UTV for work. So I mean, the biggest thing for me was was being able to find somebody locally that can do the work. Number one, you know, I mean, I, if I'm talking to somebody out in the field and they say, Joe, what kind of UTV do you think I need? I say, well, first off, I, where do you live and what kind of dealerships and what kind of people do you have around you? I mean, I know like with Beard, y'all y'all've got ton of different locations that's that's one mm-hmm. good thing you know is that people can get in and john deere obviously is is widely known when it comes to that though um how are we doing with parts right now i mean what is the supply chain like are y'all able to get parts faster and and are, are y'all having delays in those regards
3: yes and no uh with now with machines yes on my side yes we, it is a little. Um, delay on getting machines, but as far as parts availability, that is one of my main selling points as a salesman. Is the after sale. Um, it's easy to get a good low price up front or go and beat somebody out on a price, but what are you getting after the sale? And that's one of my main selling points. So what I taught myself of sell the after sale, which is part sales and service, um, allowing the customer to, be able to come in and get some ordered quickly. Even right now, we get stuff next day air, but you're still like two days out on it. Um, If you get if it has to come from the factory and you get it on the stock order, you're about four to five days, which we are still ahead of a lot of competitors on getting parts demand. Um, And now, as far as the physical machine, (laughs) it's been a struggle. (laughs) But as far as parts and availability and stuff like that, we haven't really dealt with a big struggle on it. Um, But just allowing the customer to know that, hey, you know, if you have those issues, address them. You know, don't let it go too far. You know, give us a call and see what we can do to help you get that that problem resolved.
1: Awesome. So talking about parts and things like that, uh, tell us a little bit about the John Deere warranty and and Beard Equipment's warranty, if they have any of their own.
3: So John Deere offers a one-year warranty on their machines. Um, You do have the option of an extended warranty. But as far as Beard Equipment is concerned, if you purchase something here, we're going to do everything we can to help you. Even if you get outside of your warranty, we'll still try to do something because those machines, they do only come with a one-year warranty. But you do have an option to purchase extended warranty on those But John Deere does offer a one-year warranty on them.
0: You know, one of the things I've noticed, I think everybody's noticed, is not just UTVs happening in vehicles. It's happening with tractors. It's happening all along used equipment. The prices for used equipment has gone way up. How is that market right now? If somebody's buying right now and they need a UTV, do you think the value's there to buy used? Or is it better to buy new right now? And then like, you know, coming from the factory, how does that work? Like if I come in, John, I say, man, I want to buy the John Deere UTV. And, you know, we, we work out which model I want and I order it. Am I paying? How will that take place? You know, will I pay the, the factory price or you know, how does that really work?
3: John Deere has a price protection. So because every month they're running different specials and different sales and stuff like that and different finance options. So if you order it and we book it on that day, it will be price protected. As far as used equipment, a lot of people are selling used equipment at close to the price of market value, you know, brand new machines because they know dealerships are struggling with getting machines. So they are, you know, they're taking advantage of, you know, getting that higher price for it. Um, And when it comes to making a decision on which one, it just depends on how long
1: you want to wait. (laughs) <laughs> um, right, right if you find the one you like you may need to jump on it
3: right that's the thing um you know we get a lot and we get a lot of guys that come in you know around about let's say august you know getting ready to get ahead of the season and they they want to purchase a new machine and you're like well it's going to take me right now we're dealing with like a month on getting it you know some mm-hmm. some say they may wait some may not and then they run across something used they're going to buy it because they're in a the bind and i you think the used market right now is up if you have it um, just not with dealerships, but I have a lot of independent owners that just been selling equipment because they're making um, good money on them right now. Uh, right. As far as longevity wise, you know, if you're willing to wait. You know, then you're going to get that quality machine with warranty, with you know, the warranty, I was stuff say. like that, because you go buy a machine now and it has no you go buy using no warranty or anything like that. And then as soon as you get out there to get get to the camp or get ready to, you know, do plots or whatever, then it breaks down on you. Now you're down four or five weeks waiting on parts or can't get somebody to fix it.
1: Yeah, you, know, you don't so have
3: it. it it's, it's a lot right now with the pandemic. It has it has been a little bit of a struggle. Um, but we have been very successful. I will say that um, this company as a whole has been very successful during this time, and they have been able to allow us to have uh, abundance of supply to be able to c- keep control of the market um, and not be too out of whack with it.
0: All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Don't forget about our sponsors and make sure you support them when you're out in the marketplace. United Bank. United Bank knows what an important role agriculture plays in our local economy. At United Bank, they are here to support local farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness, including real loans for farmland, equipment loans, working lines of credit, and more. Truth is, they deeply value the contribution agriculture makes to our communities, and they help local farmers build successful businesses. They want you to succeed. Learn more at unitedbank.com or stop by at any United Bank branch. United Bank, all loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. You know, you're talking about the lead times on, on getting a vehicle, uh, lead times on getting parts. I mean, the numbers I'm hearing you say are not not nearly as bad as yeah. what I've heard out of other out of other places and I've experienced yeah. myself. But if we're talking about a brand new U T V right now, what are we what should we expect to pay? You know, range ranges. If we're talking, you know, on the low end, on up to the high end, and then What kind of financing options are out there? Are they pretty standard, you know, typical to say like an automobile loan or that kind of thing? What can we expect in that regard?
3: So with the John Deere's ranging at the – so they have a 590E. If We're going to stick with just XUV series um, because we do have work series like the TX and the HPX, which are more for like work site construction. Um, But sticking to land management and hunting and game and stuff like that, the XUV series would be great. Um, the XUV 590M, two-seater, whether you get it in camo, olive, whatever color, um, you're probably going to be around at 16, to 18 range now. After that, you go to the 590M, um, and those are going to jump up to around about 19, um, right there at right there, the 20 mark. Um, and then when you go to the XUV 835, this is one of the new machines from John Deere. Um, it comes with, you know, open station or HVAC which is incredible. Wow. Um, yeah,
1: that's pretty granted,
3: awesome. Yeah, with the AC and then they have the R series, which, which pretty much is equipped just like the inside of a vehicle. Um, headliner, you know, tan interior, leather interior, radio. I mean, it's, it's like a mini truck. But granted, you're going to pay that twenty six dollars to $27,000 price for it, um, but you're going to get that quality machine to be able to do what you like to do with it as far as work light like front and back. There's so many different accessories that can go on that machine sponsored, you know, well produced by John Deere. A lot of people do go aftermarket. Um, but I have seen them at base price around about 24 to 25 grand. But once you start throwing accessories at it, uh, it'll jump up pretty
0: pretty quick oh, <laughs> once yeah. you start throwing those accessories at it. So hey um, man I'll tell you what. That <laughs> that air conditioning sure is nice. I mean, it's, it's worth a pretty penny around I here. I mean, for if you're sure. it, for folks that are using it every single day, if you're if you're if you're using right. this for commercial purposes, it's cool. Yes. It's just cool especially to see my, how um, far the UTV right. market has come. And yeah. the land know, management
3: so, guys love the HVAC. Uh, yeah. My land management that's out there, especially we got cattle. Um that that AC and heat, it it's amazing. Um <laughs> so, yeah. because you're change, in change it, it, like you said, you're in it, you know, eight, nine hours a day. Basically, that should that's what you get around in, right. um, especially if you're maintaining your own, you know, your own facility. As far as financing wise, you know, John Deere offers at times zero percent up to 48 months on them, or you can go to like a, a low interest rate of like a 1.9 or 2.9 up to 60 months. It just depends on what specials are they running for that particular month. One thing I do like about John Deere, and I get a lot of questions from customers, when is the best time to buy? With John Deere, they operate in season. Um, they throw their specials in at that time of the year. Um, like right now with moors and stuff like that, all of, a lot of the discounts and special finance op- options are on those. Once it start getting into that hunting and you know planting season and stuff like that, then it shift to the more of the side-by-sides and attractors. Um, but typically you're a 0% interest with no hidden fees. Um, John Deere has a low, low insurance cost on theirs because each one of their equipment comes with insurance as well. But as far as financing, I want to say we're pretty much at the top with that. Um, you know, with the 0% interest rate up to 48 months or either the 1.9 or the 2.9 up to 60 months.
0: Very cool stuff, man. Well, I mean, what I've understood from you today is that first thing you got to determine is what you're trying to do with your UTV and what kind of jobs you're you know you're going to have the majority of the time when somebody wants to get in touch with you guys describe what they're trying to do and and really look at the lineup and say you know hey john i i'm i'm a hunter first i'm a land manager second and then occasionally i got six people i'm gonna haul around with me or whatever it may be there's their specific situation how do they reach out to somebody like you or or go online and, and find out the different lineups that you guys have and, and answer these kind of questions to see which model really fits what they're looking for?
3: So, navigating the John Deere system, um, when you go looking for it, I tell a lot of customers just type in the machine or just type in John Deere Gator. Um, and once you go to the John Deere website, they're going to have a lot of different options, but they have a build your own option as well. And what you do is once you get to that build your own section, it's going to send it to the closest dealer. And then we get quote submissions sent to us. It's been times where I got quote quote submissions on a Sunday um, and I called a guy that day. He was like, I just did the quote. I was like, well, I just got the submission. <laughs> I mean, we did the credit app over the phone, got it done and he picked it up Monday. Um, so the John Deere system as far as finding what you want and what you need and they simplify it for you. Um, Because you can get, but a lot of customers do get a little overboard they see, I want this, I want that, I want this. And they see all these different accessories that they can put on it until they get to the bottom line. Then they start taking stuff away. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't
1: need that that much.
3: Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, but
1: Heated get, steering wheel, mm, yeah.
3: <laughs> so, but with the navigating through the John Deere system, um, and whatever you see on John Deere website, it will apply to beard equipment. Um, sometimes here at Beard Equipment, we, we may have like implement sales or specials or something like that going on, but we do stick to the John Deere guidelines. So, whatever you do see online, it will be same here in the store. So, like I say, when you do a quote submission, they're going to send you to the closest dealer. Um, like I said, and they always can give us a call. Um, as well. If you click on John Deere, like just uh John Deere dealer, we're going to be on that beard equipment will be. So and like I said, we got plenty of stores down the panhandle all the way down South Florida. So, But we service just about anybody we need to.
0: Well, John, it's been fun, man. I know you get these kind of questions a lot, and uh, we wanted to just create a resource here for, for our landowners and, and folks that are in the market for a UTV to be able to come back and you know kind of ask themselves, what what am I trying to do with this UTV, and and what are the consideration points in these UTVs that are going to help me get done what I want to get done? Thanks for joining us, man.
3: Yeah, just to end the with it, with, with the John Deere, like I said, you're going to have the reliability, the durability, the accountability. You're also going to have more uptime. Um, uptime is key. Um, that's that's key to me, and that's, that's another one of my selling points is with the John Deere. Of course, you may pay a little bit more, but they are more uptime and less downtime, especially for commercial use. You're going to get out of the John Deere.
0: Guys, let's take a quick break and hear from this week's sponsor, Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for the guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of the guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Noble, Books-A-Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, Bass Pro Shops, Academy Sports and Outdoors, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. You know, but like we said at the beginning of the show, we get this question a lot, but it can be overwhelming. I mean, there's so much variability in UTVs nowadays. It's not as simple as just, I'm going to go get a John Deere Gator. I mean, there's a whole lineup of things and that's because lots of people are using them for lots of different things. I think most of the people that listen to our show and most people we talk to are recreational first. Yeah, I would think so. You know, commercial yeah. second. And, and, you know, for me, if I'm looking at a recreational UTV, like John said, I'm going to focus first on that ride quality because I'm off road hundred percent of the time with it. And mm-hmm. I want that independent suspension to soak up those bumps and those holes. And I want that ground clearance so that I don't spend a lot of time stuck. But, and, and I have a, I have a crew cab. Uh, UTV, but I have the shortest wheelbase crew cab I could find. I think if it were me, if I was in the market and if I knew all the time I was going to have multiple people, more than three people on the UTV, then I'd go ahead and step up to a crew. But if I did, if I thought that was going to be the less common, I'd go shorter wheelbase. Cause you can, you can always add seating, but you can't shorten that wheelbase. That's a fact. And off-road, that's that's huge, man. I mean, wheelbase is what gets you stuck more than anything. Is just high centering. I, I was, was gonna say, yeah, is, ground is, clearance
1: is probably my biggest concern.
0: I very rarely or a have top to, three. Uh, yeah, I very rarely have to lock the differential.
1: Right, usually bottom out. Usually that's how I usually out. get in the most trouble with a big rut or a stump or something like that. Right. Well, and let's 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 be for real about this thing. I mean, I can remember. Again, I'm going to show my age here. I can remember, you know, growing up hunting. I mean, a four-wheeler was a three to $4,000 deal. I mean, yeah. we're talking about a dang big purchase here, man. And we're talking about a truck. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's more than I paid for. My well, first a lot of the five or Not six the vehicles. First ones. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, way more. Yeah. So I mean, you really, really have to do your research here and and make sure it's something that you're going to utilize. Make sure that it has all of the boxes checked because I mean, this is a big purchase.
0: And you no, know, so, yeah, you're going to spend that much money on something. It better do everything you want it to do. That's then. right. But I and do you like don't want to have was the downtime
1: saying, like you were saying. That makes yeah, a big you know, difference.
0: Uptime is huge. Spending a bunch of time with something in the shop, but also having a place. That, close to you that can work on it it's frustrating when you're going to have something's going to go wrong on this thing that you are not going to know how to fix so at some point it may be three years from now i'm not saying it's immediate but when it happens are you going to have to lug this thing way out of the way to get it worked on
1: yeah i hope not man i can certainly attest to that uh that pain point in particular our place is kind of out there and whenever we had our first tractor before we went with the john deere we were having to drive you know 45 minutes or an hour out of the way and so whenever right. we bought our new john deere tractor that was one of our big selling points i really liked what John's talking about after sale and that's a big deal to be taken care of after the sale and so uh, we knew that we were going to be taken care of to and from you know our camp that we to utilize or to minimize the downtime as much as possible.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, too, like talking about that, I just right now, man, I just don't see the. I see the value in buying new myself. I was talking to landowner, you know, the other day, and they were saying, "What, what do you think? What do you think about to get?" And I, I pulled up some, you know, some prices on some used ones and some new ones. I was like, "Gosh, you know, I'd buy you, I'd buy a new one right now." You get the warranty. You've got that. You've got the financing options with new and. You're, it's just you know where it's been because you're the only person that has dealt with it and because you're just not saving that much money on a used UTV right now. But like John said, what most people do is they wait until two right. weeks before they're they're needing it to go get yeah, you it. You need
1: to plan ahead and then you're in a bind and then you need to get something that's been beat up or <clears throat> you never know what it is. And I, I like the like talking about new and used. Luckily, I don't, I don't need one of these right this second. But just working through your first year of ownership – working through those bugs w- with a warranty intact i would have right. to be would be a pretty big peace of mind
0: yeah and and also you know being able to go online and build your own yeah, the way cool. you want it that's something you get with new and you don't have to pay for the things you didn't want you know or deal with the problems from stuff that you wouldn't have bought somebody else put place. on there right exactly man
1: yep makes sense man the good show i enjoyed it john was a wealth of
0: knowledge yeah same here Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list. And wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a show topic, that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Huntland Show is brought to you by Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. And also brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a full service facility that sells new and used boats and motors. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. They now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. And also brought to you by Joe Baia and National Land Realty. Whether it's timberland, farmland, hunting land, commercial land, or large home sites and waterfront you want to get top dollar for your property, give me a call at 904-891-9639 or email me at jbaya at nationalland.com to learn how.